The Lord be with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you for the um, the promise that you have um, revealed yourself to us in it. And we pray for the mind and the heart, and especially the spirit, uh, to give us uh, to discern uh, what you would have us to see uh, in our, in your word, uh, both today and going forward. We thank you, Lord, uh, just for your grace to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this is uh, the last in a uh, four-part series, and some of you, uh, I don't think anybody's been to every one of them, but, but most of you have been to another one, but even if you hadn't, this is going to be um, hopefully just useful for you. Uh, today, uh, we are talking about uh, the books of wisdom and the, uh, the books of the prophets, and uh, just sort of how to read those uh, effectively uh, when you come in, in, your sort of, in your own daily Bible study. And um, we've talked about uh, the Gospels and uh, the Epistles and, and Apocalypse or Revelation. And um, last week we talked about the law and uh, how to read the history narratives. And so this week, um, the books of wisdom and the books of Proverbs. What are the books of, what are the books of wisdom? Proverbs. Yeah, Proverbs and uh, Psalms, Job, Song of Songs. Ecclesiastes. Right, that's right. Um, what is wisdom? When you tell your kids or your daddy told you, you know, you got to use wisdom. What what is it? Somebody define it. What is what is it? I mean, it's one of those kind of words that's hard to hard to define. What is it? Experience times mistakes. Okay. Yeah. That's two places you get wisdom for sure. For sure. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Applied now. That's actually a, that's a really good uh, definition. It's the uh, ability to make good choices in life. So applied applied knowledge. You take what you learn and you you make it work. You can sort of give it legs, and that's what wisdom is from uh, uh, from the a biblical or a faith perspective. It's it's the ability to make godly choices, uh, not just good choices, but godly choices in life. And you you apply this goal by applying. Um, you achieve this goal by applying God's truth in your life, uh, so that your choices will be godly. Now we want to say, again, we read the Old Testament, just like we said last week, we read the Old Testament through the lens of the cross. It is our her- spiritual heritage as Christians. It's the legacy that was given to us. Um, the Messiah was Jewish, and he was, and that he redeemed the whole world, the promise of Abraham. All nations of the world will be blessed uh, through, your, uh, through the, the Messiah. And, and we stand as those among uh, who are blessed. Probably not many of you have Jewish heritage, but uh, but you all stand in the, the legacy of those who are blessed by the Jewish Messiah. The Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, they are our scriptures as Christians. And um, and so um, so when we when we apply wisdom, uh, what we want to understand is as Christians, how does how does grace inform that? Um, you. We should be, and we want to, make godly decisions. Our salvation doesn't depend on it. Our salvation uh, depends on not on our choice uh, for godly behavior, but on God's choice of ungodly people. And, uh, and so we uh, rely on His grace completely and wholeheartedly, and, um, and yet um, there are things that the Bible says to do, and, and frankly sometimes common sense says to do, but uh, there are things that we can do to um, incorporate His blessings into our life and to um, live in the favor that He has given to us. And so we want to use wisdom. 
and, and the wisdom narratives, if you've read the book of uh, Proverbs, if you've read Ecclesiastes or the Psalms, uh, you know that, that they, there is resonance uh, in your life. I've had, um, we'll talk about the, the Psalms in, in a minute, uh, but I, uh, whenever someone is, is suffering, they're going through just a, a long, a prolonged it's, it's cancer. I had one a friend, he's a small business owner, and he was uh, being sued. Basically, his business couldn't sustain a, a lawsuit. And um, and it was, I mean, seven months. He ended up in jail uh, falsely and everything. It was just it was just one thing after another. And and I just, every time I read a psalm, I mean, I just thought, this is their story. You know, this is, it just, it just was such uh, resonance. But back to back to wisdom, um, sort of over, over overarching philosophically, uh, the cho- we, choices make up our lives, and, and every day your life is is full of choices, and 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 so it, that's not new to our our culture, and there was a an abundance of wisdom literature in the ancient Near East. Uh, there was, uh, I mean, it wasn't unique to the Hebrews, is what I'm trying to say. Lots and lots of wisdom literature is all dealing with how to make the best choices and therefore how to have the best life. But what inspired uh, biblical wisdom uh, added, uh, what what inspired biblical wisdom added to this, uh, that is what the Word of God uh, in, in the wisdom literature added to the idea of making good choices uh, was the idea that on, the only good choices are godly choices. The only good choices are godly choices. And so the fear of the Lord Therefore, it really is it's the beginning of wisdom, and that's what we, we see in, in Proverbs. Um, the, and you've probably learned that in Sunday school and heard it all the way up. And you probably maybe taught it to your kids. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, because the only good choices are godly choices. And if you make a good choice, somehow it reflects the character and the nature of God. Um, how can you make a godly choice if you don't believe and obey uh, God? So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, biblical wisdom has nothing to do with IQ, nothing to do with your wit or your cleverness or creativity. Um, it is. Uh, it doesn't. It really doesn't even have to do with age. Although we sort of have the the impression of of um, you know the wise old sage, um, but it's applied. That's because the, the old sage has apl- applied applying things that they have have learned uh, through their life. Uh, Biblical wisdom is a matter of orientation to God. Are we oriented to God? And out of that orientation comes the ability to please Him. Uh, and again, I don't mean that in a salvific way. We can't uh, earn more favor with God than the blood of Christ has earned on our behalf. Um, something to, to, uh, to as you, if, if you're reading Proverbs, if you're reading Job, if you're reading uh, the Psalms, something to understand is that wisdom, wisdom books don't tell the story of salvation, but they assume it. Uh, they assume the theological underpinnings of the rest of the Old Testament. Uh, the salvation story is founded um, on uh, practical theology. Uh, the salvation story is excuse me, is the foundation for the practical um, theology, day-to-day godly living uh, in, in our lives. Uh, our, our, we live in a secular world, and what our privilege is, is to try to apply what God has given to us in Scripture. Um, and again, it doesn't save us, but it sure does help us. It blesses us. 
and it gives us a place where we can go back to when we when we make mistakes. So, um, so let's um, let's think about the, let's think about wisdom. Let's think about the proverbs and uh, and and Job. What uh, what is a proverb? A saying, sure, sure. Usually, sort of pithy, sort of memorable. Um, the uh, the Hebrew word is is, a, is means figure of speech. That's that's all it is. Uh, they were memorable. They weren't precise. We have uh, some proverbs in our own um, in our own culture. What are some proverbs that we have in our own culture? Stitch in time saves nine. A stitch in time saves nine. Yeah. Um, Look before you leap. That's catchy. It's memorable. It's not precise. It'd be much more precise to say, before you commit yourself to a course of action, consider your circumstance and your options. It's harder to memorize, right? <laughs> so look before you leap. And that's what that's what the Proverbs are. They're not all pithy like that. And certainly in English, uh, they're not. Um, you know, we, we say, um, don't put the cart before the horse. It doesn't ever have anything to do with horses and carts. Uh, you know what I mean, horses and carts. Uh, but it, it does. Uh, it always uh, has to do with um, you know, the metaphor that you put in prioritizing things. Hebrew proverbs are um, they they're understood reasonably and they're taken on, on their own terms. And so we it doesn't do good to say, well, I'm gonna, today I'm going to read the book of Proverbs and just to read through 31 chapters if you have the time to do that, uh, because they're 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 it's a collection of sayings that Solomon gave to. Uh, throughout his kingdom, uh, over hundreds of, not hundreds of years, tens of years, decades, and um, and so so it really is. They are they should be taken on their own terms. I I I know people who don't miss a day without reading Proverbs, but you know ten at a time, you know, may, maybe a chapter uh, at a time, but just to take in ten at a time. I I'm a um I, I don't do a lot with it right now, but I I, I really like Dave Ramsey. Do you guys listen to Dave Ramsey on the radio or things like that? And, um, and I can just remember him saying, if you're having financial difficulty, read Proverbs. If you're, it's in Proverbs. And I just thought, I mean, you know, it doesn't say here's how to balance your checkbook. But, but he's talking about the overall principles uh, uh, for financial uh, success and, and, and just, just wisdom, just applied biblical knowledge. Um, so let's take a look at some Proverbs. And I, don't, I actually don't have any really actually selected. I thought we'd just um, sort of see how we just approach it sort of blind. And um, and see how it goes, and see if our principles um, hold up. So, I just opened up to chapter six. Let me read just a little bit. Chapter six in Proverbs, Proverbs right after Psalms. So about if you stick your, yeah, okay, four fifty, good. My son, was it? Yeah, so around four fifty, chapter six. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, that's fine, this is a Dave Ramsey song. Uh, if you put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the, land, into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Okay. 
So those are lots of imagery and metaphors. What, do, what does it mean if you're just reading that? If you've put up security for your neighbor, what does that mean? Yeah, if, you, if you've uh, if you've co-signed a loan, uh, you know, if you've if you have um, said I'll pay it if he doesn't pay, okay. If you put up security for your neighbor, or given your pledge for a stranger, if you've gotten yourself in a situation, uh, if you've been snared in the words of your mouth or caught in the words of your mouth, and do this, go and make it right, right? Just um, give your eyelid, your eyes no sleep, no your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter. This is rich imagery. What does that mean? What, what does a gazelle do from the hand of a hunter? He, he, I mean, every which way but loose, right? I mean, just all over the place as fast as he can um, and, uh, and just it, waste no time in, in rectifying this. And, uh, you know, I, Dave Ramsey, this is, this is like the quintessential, I didn't mean to do this, this is the quintessential Dave Ramsey uh, proverb. And, uh, and, and he has this, his whole thing is built on gazelle intensity, right? And so, um, but it's just, just a, it's a great image of, of running from, um, from situations. Because if, if what he says, what, what Dave Ramsey, sort of his interpretation is, if you say, I will pay this money for my friend who doesn't, uh, in, in case he doesn't pay, what's going to happen? You're going to pay this money, right? That's, that's what that's what's going to happen. Um, so that is that is uh, you know that that affects our stewardship. That if, so it's just it's just wisdom. So let's keep going. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. It's pretty, I mean, you know, that's, it's, pretty, it's pretty plain, but it just says you start, you give yourself an inch and you'll take a mile. You know, that's, that's one of our proverbs, but it basically saying the same thing. Take a look at the ant. The ant doesn't have any uh, officer or ruler or anything over there and always, always at work, always saving up, always doing a little things. Um, and, but what this incredible imagery, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want, like an armed man. And you know what? That's true. I mean, I don't know if you've ever, maybe, maybe you're better with, you know, than I am, but I've uh, been in a really good situation and then been quickly on the road to not a good situation, just like that, for making just silly little uh, choices. So uh, anyway, the Proverbs, they, they kind of work like this. You take them in small chunks um, and you just take them for what they are. And and they are, like I said, I've got friends who they don't miss a day without proverbs. Now, I I don't tend to work like that personally, but I think that's a good way to be. Um, the proverbs are um, they're not narrative. You can't read them like narrative. You have to read them like proverbs. So you just little little chunks. Uh, but good wisdom. Hey Joe. Yes, sir. A lot of Will Rogers is kind of like humorous proverbs. They're just little sayings. Yeah, yeah. Now I will say this: If you live your life with proverbs and not without the cross, you're going to end up in in trouble. I mean, because you know, it's, it's just it's sort of power of positive thinking and and you know self self justification and uh, you know Frank's sermon today hit the nail on the head. I mean, we have to have the sprinkled blood of Jesus. There's there's no question uh, about that. Um, and so pro, you can have the blood of the blood of Christ and add some proverbs. That's great, but you can't have proverbs and add a little blood of Christ. Like the the, the blood of Christ has to be our, our foundation. 
So, so don't let that be your starting point, but let it be a good addition to, um, to what you do. Um, just the, uh, the another word about um, Proverbs. It, it, Proverbs doesn't make guarantees. It doesn't say, when it says um, you just if you if you kick your uh, kick your heels up, fold your hands a little bit. It doesn't mean you'll be poor tomorrow. It is not a guarantee. It's just a, it's just sort of patterns of life uh, that generally work out. It's um, basic patterns and behaviors that that help a person grow up into responsible adulthood. And he's passing these on to his son. So um, so just uh, they're not guarantees. So we won't take them that way. Um, uh, again, Job. If we're going anything else about Proverbs, Job is uh, it is an amazing story. It's it's you know, a lot of people turn to Job when they want to know why bad things happen to good people. Um, Job is ultimately, I think rightly, it's been said that Job is ultimately about the repentance of a righteous man. Uh, un- un- ungodly people, we know they need to be re- repent. What about righteous people? And here is here was the, God's all-star, and he's brought to his knees um, and shown his, his um, depravity. Uh, but it, you, you take it in, in chunks. His is scripture, and yet... You know his friends are telling, giving him bad information. So if you just took a couple of verses out of out of context, out of what his friends are saying, you'd be in as bad, bad a shape as Job. Uh, so you have to read it and read what is being said in context, because not everything it says is right. You know, so just read it as it, as the narrative it is. It is so um, nuanced. It's one of our Job may be our oldest scripture. It may be written the most ancient. It is uh, so profound and so nuanced. Anybody says that. You know, those people weren't smart back then, or they didn't know what they were doing. They, they, they haven't read um, eggs on their face, because it, it is amazing to see the uh, particular uh, care that the author of Job gives to uh, suffering and to the sovereignty of God. Um, but it, it, is, it is a great uh, thing to read uh, on a regular basis. Uh, Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon. Uh, there's a couple of different schools of interpretation on Song of Songs. Um, some say this is definitely about uh, a man and his wife. They they meet, they fall in love, they get married, they have sex, they fight, they make up. Uh, it is it is practical wisdom. I've heard a whole course on how they um, uh, how to uh, be married, basically based on uh, the Song of Songs. And it was a great course. Um, there's a whole another more classical um, school of, of thought, and and the first kind of picks at the second, but I think there's a it's, it's a great thing. It, it, it is rightly interpreted at the, the second school is actually the primary school, more classic school says that it's rightly interpreted as a as a picture of Christ and His church and the bride of Christ and and His wooing of of the bride and um, it's a it's a more um, allegorical reading and. And I, I, you know, we can be fine with. It. In fact, I think it can be both. You know, it's it's applied wisdom, and it's it's, uh, and so how to make good choices. So I, I think there's it is a unique, um, it is a unique work within Scripture for sure, and um, and that's not one that you would just give to your kids to go read, either. I mean, it's pretty. You know, a lot of parts of Scripture uh, are at least PG-13. And, uh, and this is one of them. So, uh, um, Ecclesiastes again, it's different schools of thought on that. Uh, if it, if it was, if Solomon is the is the writer of this, he was terribly depressed. 
which is, and I don't, I mean, really, I mean, there's, there, it, he is, he is way low down. All vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Here's the man who had uh, the greatest wealth uh, in the in the known world, and um, and more power than than anyone, and and uh, and vanity, vanity, all is is vanity. And uh, and yet, see what happens, and what some people think that there's actually a secular. Um, there, a, a secularist who took, who wrote, and then Solomon took that, and at the very end said, "Now see, son, if you, if you, this is what happens if you don't know God." And then at the very end, it brings God back, uh, back into the into the picture. Um, either way, I think Ecclesiastes is a remarkable work about uh, perspective on, on life. Again, we got to have the cross first. That's got to be our lens through through which we read it. But if we do. Uh, it's great. Again, not verse by verse. We don't take it. We take it section by section, paragraph by paragraph. Um, maybe, maybe even chapter by chapter. All right. So the Psalms, um, poetry. Um, the Psalms focus on our emotional uh, response to God, as well as our emotional response to those who are hostile to God and, and His people. Um, the Psalms connect us with both joy uh, and despair, and, and and so like I said before, they resonate. They resonate uh, with us, regardless of where we are. There is a Psalm. Uh, you're having a good day. You're having a bad day. Uh, you're about to go through something uh, traumatic. You're in the middle of something traumatic. Um, there's a Psalm for you. Uh, now you can't interpret poetry the same way you interpret narrative. Uh, or the Gospels, or the letters. The authors are conveying literal truth. They're doing it in a uh, figurative way. Uh, Let's turn over to Psalm 69. Let's read the first three verses. Psalm 69. What page is it? 412. A lot of the Psalms do this neat thing at the beginning... Where they tell you who wrote it, and that that, or sometimes they'll even tell you the circumstances around which they wrote it. So this is a Psalm of David. Save me, O God! Exclamation point. And you can probably you can, Amen. You're in it right there, right? <laughs> Save me, O God! For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. What's happening here? What's happening to David? He's just in despair. He's in despair. And why, why does... You know he's not... In a river, right? I mean, he's not—he's not really, literally, in a muddy river, neck deep. Uh, but how, how do you? I don't mean to take you back to the elementary English class, but how do you? I mean, how do you know that he's in, in despair? Description. Description. Because mm-hmm. you've been there, and you know what it's like to, to be neck deep in in the mire and stuck, and to have your eyes growing dim with waiting for my God and saying, "What is going on? Why? What has taken so long?" Um. Life is hard, and where is God's rescue? 
And we've been there. And if you haven't been there, you will be there. And I just, I th- it is so comforting that, that the, uh, the word from the Bible is not get over yourself and, and trust. The word from the Bible is, oh, this is so hard. And, and that, it understands. The, the Psalms understand us. And, and that is so, um, that is so nice. Uh, that, that is the truth ab- about us. Um, now, you know, what was also great, and let's see if it does in Psalm 69. Um, it, they generally, when they start in despair, they generally end with faith. So that's also a good thing. So if you flip over, you can see um, Psalm, uh, the, Psalm 69, Let heaven and earth praise Him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah, and people shall dwell there and possess it. So he's, he's saying that God is going to win this, even if I can't see it right now. But in the midst of right now, where is God? And that, that just speaks to, our, speaks to our hearts. And the Psalms, um, they have a word for, for us. I mean, almost undoubtedly. So I, I've said several times, this class is, is sort of a run-up to our Bible in a Year blog. I've got some reading pointers. We've had these printed out. They look really good. Um, Whenever we do a, a Old Testament reading, we'll do like three or four chapters of the Old Testament. But um, when we do a New Testament reading, like Matthew, um, we'll, we'll add a psalm or two in there as well. So when you're reading the um, there, and then when we finish Psalms, we do Proverbs. So, uh, so we'll all, so we'll get through all the Psalms, and, and that's just such a good thing. In fact, the um, Luther said that the Psalms. How did he? How did he put it? Um, they are they are the uh, the New Testament in summation is what Luther said because they all the th- grand theological themes uh, of Scripture, especially the New Testament that that he that Luther was fleshing out as he was uh, reading Scripture afresh and going through Romans and Galatians, um, he found them all in the Psalms. In God's providence, Luther taught uh, a whole class uh, several years on on the Psalms, and then he did one on Romans, and he was. And he was able to see in Romans, oh my gosh, this is what this meant in the Psalms. And this is what, and he goes back over and over again uh, to what he had already heard in the Psalms, but now had, had really meaning, uh, a, a way to understand what the psalmists were saying. So, um, so the Psalms are the, the gospel in embryo, the, the, the scripture, the theological summation. And they resonate uh, with our hearts. Um, I think I'll move on to prophets now, and rather than go, I was going to do, try to do Psalm 23 too, just because it's so familiar. But uh, anything to say uh, about the wisdom books or questions? I don't know if you re- if you read that part of the Bible very often, but but I would really encourage you to uh, make that a uh, put that on your to do list because it's it's a gr- they're great things. Now the prophets also great, but man they're hard, and and to me they're 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 some of the hardest scripture to read. Uh, we have uh, the major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and uh, Daniel sometimes lumped in there with major prophets, and the 12 minor prophets, which doesn't mean they're less important, it just means they're smaller. Um, there's nothing like this in English, in English literature. Uh, we have everything else. We have, we have poetry, we have narrative, we have letters. Anything like prophecy is on like you, it's in the checkout aisle, right? I mean, it's on the front. It's on National Enquirer. Um, so, so we don't have anything that we take seriously like uh, prophets. 
they pro, the prophets take um, collect the prophets are col- collections. If you read Isaiah, he didn't just sit down and write out Isaiah. He, it's collections of preaching over sometimes decades. And so, um, you know, a good study Bible, if you have a, um, the ESV study Bible or the NIV, something like that, uh, study Bible, it's, uh, they will kind of help you parse out where the sermon is beginning and end because they don't say, he doesn't say, you know, let doubting souls, you know, believe this, he, you know, amen. He, he says, I mean, he just keeps going. And so it's sometimes harder to read that. It's also really, really helpful uh, to remember that these are, first and foremost, these are the spoken words of God uh, to Israel and Judah. And, and you, by that, by Israel, the people of God, but there was the northern kingdom, which was usually called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. Do you know that history? Uh, you read that in Kings and, and Chronicles. Um, after Solomon, or at the very end of Solomon's reign, uh, really coming back from what happened, the splinter uh, with David and, David and Bathsheba, but the kingdom split. The twelve tribes went to ten and two, and um, and so and there was immediately, and that's why the Samaritans. When you read about the Good Samaritan, you hear they were the sort of half breeds and and put looked down upon by the purists in, in Jerusalem. Um, they were immediately unfaithful, and began to incorporate all the the worship of the Baals and and intermarriage and everything, and um, and one of God's main things was purity, and they and they walked away uh, from that. And so we see that. That's that the northern kingdom. That's their story. And some of the prophets are preaching specifically to the northern kingdom. And some are um, speaking specifically uh, to the southern kingdom. And some are sort of overarching. And some are uh, speaking before exile or after exile, uh, in the middle of the exile during Babylon. So it's it's um, it's very important to know. Uh, it help very helpful to know when they're when they're preaching. And uh, and again, just a little. Little commentary can help you with that, and we'll 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 try to to uh, when we have a little commentary on the on the blogs, uh, which you can log on to. We'll try to give you a link or or um, or give give some information on that as well, um, if you follow along with that. But it's it's just helpful to know that. So before it's God's word to us, and it is God's word to us, but before it's God's word to us, it's God's word uh, to them. Um, it dealt most specifically. Uh, with the uh, current sinful behavior, uh, the current civ- sinful uh, behavior patterns, it, prophecy was not primarily predictions of what was to come. And we often think of prophecy as, as future telling. Most of prophecy is saying, look what you're doing. You need to turn back to God. There is some um, future telling, but is, that is, that's really a very small percentage of what the prophecy is, really truth telling. More than anything else, um, in fact, also um, there's only about two percent of script, of prophecy which is messianic in nature. Um, doesn't mean it's not all really important. Doesn't mean that it's not uh, God's word to us. But um, but it's there's very little scripture. They're very important when they do, but there's not a whole lot that deals specifically with um, there's a Messiah coming. Now we've said before in this class. That all the scripture it may uh, it may tell us um, it may describe our relationship to God and therefore our need for a Messiah, but it doesn't often always point to Christ um, specifically and directly. Um, so anyway, so that's that's just important to keep in mind. You let the prophets be the prophets and let them be what they are. Um, 
But again, it describes, we see their relationship with God, and we can see from that a lot of times our relationship uh, with God. The prophets love figures of speech. Again, PG-13 at least a lot of times. Um, you know, For instance, we, we hear a lot of these figures of, of speech. Your sins are like scarlet, but they shall be white as snow. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, you've lived as a harlot with many lovers. Think, you know, imagery like that. You know, I, um, Amy was reading some piece of scripture with, but didn't read it ahead of time with with Caroline, and she was like, oh God. she just couldn't. She had, she had to. She felt like she had to edit, you know, scripture, which is probably not a good thing to to do. Um, but it's, it is. It can be uh, jarring sometimes if you're not if you're not looking for it. Um, Again, the, the prophets had to do with a lot of time, usually with imminent judgment. Is judgment coming? But then also comfort. I mean, it's, almost, it's amazing how judgment is coming, but I will still be your God. His, God's, God's promise always was, you'll be my people and I'll be your God. And when you're not acting like my people, I'm still going to be your God. There's going to be consequences, but I will come after you. And then that, when we, ever, if we have anything messianic, anything uh, like that pointing to a new covenant, it is always in response to their the people's sin. So there's imminent judgment and the comfort of God, uh, back and forth usually. Um, so let's read. Can you flip over to Jeremiah 29? Before you get there, can you quote Jeremiah 29:11? Who knows? For I know the plans I have for you. Now, how many folks have clung to that verse? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Those are good words and so comforting. So let's read verses 1 through 14. Jeremiah 29. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles. So they have been kicked out of um, Jerusalem and taken off to Babylon. And he's writing a letter to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elash, the son of Shaphan, and uh, that guy, the son of Hilkiah, uh, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to to the dreams that they have, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. 
and you will seek me and find me. And when you seek with me, you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you in exile. Now, Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Who's it for? Is it for you? Okay, let me ask you this. If I'm a corrupt small-time businessman and I make my living by selling porn uh, and I've got a bit, I got a big deal in the works and I'm really anxious about it because i got a lot riding on this thing and I somehow this verse I learned when my grandmama took me to Sunday school pops in my head for I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you is this verse for me? It, he's nodding her head. Yes, it is. It was originally, of course, it was for the people of Israel who were in exile, who were in a foreign land. And he's saying to them, he's saying to them, bless the city. Be godly where you are. You're not where you want to be, but be godly where you are. Now, that's a pattern of redemption. I'm going to be faithful to you, says God. You be faithful to me where you are. That's that's a pattern for us. So 29.11 is for us. Is it for me if I'm a small-time porn dealer, anxious about something? Well, I've probably got some other things I need to deal with. He's not going to... to His promise is not to prosper me on my terms. His promise is to prosper me on His terms. And so I've got a lot of things I, that I have to deal with. Now, let me give you another scenario. I'm a parent. I'm earnestly seeking the Lord. And the pediatric oncologist has just come to me and said my child probably doesn't have more than a month. Is this verse for me? Yes. But in that pattern of, of redemption, you're not where you want to be. But I'm with you. So your job is to walk faithfully in that place where you are. It doesn't mean my child is going to be healed miraculously. Maybe. I hope so. We pray so. But it means that God is going to be with me and that guarantee is fulfilled in Christ. And so, regardless of where you are, God's the message of Jeremiah 29.11 is I am with you. You walk faithfully where you in the place where you are. And be a blessing where you are. If I'm doing something I shouldn't do, then I have a, a, a responsibility and a, um, a privilege even, a mandate, um, to, to get those things taken care of. Because I'm not being a blessing. Doesn't mean God doesn't love me. But He's not going to bless my works. So I need to, I need to walk in wisdom. I need to turn turn my heart. This shows me my relationship with God. I need to turn my heart. But if I am earnestly seeking the Lord, then I'll be able to to live in the favor that God has given me in Christ.
because where I am, he's going to be. So, so we see how it works. The, the, the prophets give us a pattern of redemption. And we have verse, favorite verses like this that we can hold on to. We should hold on to them properly um, as, as God's people. Um, it doesn't mean that he's going he's gonna to bless us on his terms, just in, in this particular thing. Um, so we're at the end of our time. Uh, any, any quick questions about prophets and how we approach this? I, mean, I could spend six more weeks on prophets and probably should. Um, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thanks so much for this time. And I just pray that as we read your word that you would speak to us and that we would uh, see, see your scripture as it is uh, meant to be seen. We thank you that it is living and active. We pray that by your mercy that you would pierce our hearts uh, with your word and open our word, uh, open your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. If you care for it, uh, the, there are these, I have these, as you walk out, the um, reading plans are printed up. If you think you'll like to go through that or take a look at it, please take one of those with you. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it starts September 9th. Yes, it starts September 9th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Awesome. Appreciate it.